Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the world of priesthood dispatches, where we tell your stories from the front lines of high demand religion. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Priest of Dispatchers channel. It is the 8th of April 2022. General conference is over, thank goodness. Everyone take a deep breath. And this evening we have a guest coming all the way from deepest, darkest Wales to be with us. But before we get to our wonderful guest, thank you for coming back to the channel. If you're new here, please like and subscribe. If you are returning, how are you doing? Nice to see you again. Uh, you can support the channel by leaving tips using the link in the description below. And for all other things PD, you can go to mormonpd.org and find the blog there and other videos, the podcast and all those great things. So this evening, uh, we have a guest who I will bring in now. Joe, how are you doing? Oh, classic it's COVID, fine. you were on mute. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> Or classic kids, one or the other. Yeah. No, no, awesome. So uh, thanks for joining us this evening. I know that me and Joe have been trying to get this together for a couple of months now and conference and different things. Technical issues on my end have come and uh, kept us apart. But finally, uh, we've got <laughs> going. So Joe is joining us from Wales. And for everyone else uh, in the world, that is God's own country. Wales is um, a very nice place. But I'll just leave it at that because she's Welsh and I don't want to offend anyone. But Joe, now I first met Joe uh, as Exmo Joe on TikTok and have been following Joe for a few months now as she shares her stories about her life as a mother within Mormonism and outside of Mormonism. And as a, uh, as a reminder us at General Conference, a daughter of God, which is fantastic. So tonight we're going to hear all about, I guess, Joe's journey inside and then outside of Mormonism, why TikTok became a thing for you. And then we're going to learn a couple more enlightening things that I've come across over the last few days with regards to other sects that take responsibility for the Book of Mormon. I know that sounds a bit weird, but the Illuminati, um, yeah, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. It's, it's a bit weird. Um, if I'm honest, but before we go there, Joe, you were, you weren't born into the church. You came into the church as a young child because your parents joined the church when you were a, a toddler, three years of age. Um, so this is no point kind of saying, how did that feel to you? But did you feel any different from maybe some of the other kids that were born in the covenant? I don't think I did, no. I mean, I was aware that I wasn't born under the covenant, but no, not really. No? 
a lot of people as converts do feel less than, but not specifically. No. And did your parents, I guess, did they remain in the church um, beyond yourself and still? Yes, they're, they're still active in the church. Okay, so that's nice. And mine are as well. So it can always be a little bit of a balancing act sometimes. Um, so before we get to TikTok, though, have they found your TikTok yet? They're aware I make TikToks. Okay. <laughs> They've never seen them that I'm aware of. I don't think they would. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I was on um, uh, a call with my dad the other day, and he said to me, "Oh, look, I was on Facetime like this." He's like, "Oh, look at your background." I was like, "Yeah, it's nice, isn't it?" You know. He's like, "Is it three D or is it?" And they're coming over in a couple of weeks, and I know they'll be like, "Oh, can I see your uh, your background?" <laughs> like, yeah, welcome to my anti-Mormon den. <laughs> yeah, they were aware that I was making this tonight, and my dad was like. What are you doing? What ex-Mormon? It's not. It's not anti-Mormon. It's we are all about general conference and general conference. Um, it was fantastic, but deep breath. So you grew up in the church in Wales, uh, southern Wales, heads of the valleys, um, or foot of the valleys as you are now, uh, and whilst you were there. Are we talking the 90s, noughties, um, and and beyond? I'm assuming we are the same generation, probably moved in similar circles and never bumped into one another <laughs> until now. Isn't it funny how that the world just kind of like throws you uh, throws you a bone? You meet all these wonderful Mormons in your youth that you'll never talk to again, and then later in life, Satan gets involved and you make loads of friends. <laughs> Me being facetious, sorry guys. <laughs> uh, so you grew up in the church uh, through the same primary that I did, not the same young women's. Uh, <laughs> but something that I've noticed on your TikTok, so I've been watching um, a lot of your TikTok for the last couple of days to try and get a, a fix on, on some things. And one thing that stood out to me was a, a TikTok you made about purity culture. And... I've seen a few other comments around general conference and around kind of uh, posts about young women's on new beginnings being taken to try on wedding dresses and different things. Um, did you ever have any anything like that? Yeah, we definitely had a trying on wedding dresses activity. I only remember one of them. And I would have been quite young in, in youth, I think, at that point. But yeah. I mean, we had loads of write a letter to your future self about your future husband. Oh, my gosh. I don't speak Welsh, no, unfortunately. Oh, uh, sorry, Robert. When we <laughs> had, You know what? Don't worry. He did the same thing to Bethan. Um, <laughs> it's a greeting in Welsh. Robert, you've, you've beat us again. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so you wrote a letter to your future husband. Yeah, or a letter to my future self about what I wanted in a future husband, that sort of thing, numerous times. Uh, yeah. Did, did you ever did you ever sit and tell your husband what it was that you wrote? I don't think so. No? He says no. <laughs> That'd be an interesting conversation. <laughs> I think you probably ticked boxes. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> So bringing us to now, we will rewind and we'll go through your faith kind of journey. 
but just so we know where you are now, um, you've left the church, you have four children yeah. and uh, a wonderful husband living in southern Wales and loving life. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. General Conference. What is General Conference to you these days? Um, not much. No? Good. Really? Uh, obviously, there seems to be more ex-Mormons watching it these days than active membership, or at least from my Facebook feed, there definitely seems to be yeah. very few Mormons as enthusiastic as they once were. No. Uh, you can obviously pick up snippets. You know, Oaks was his classic uh, homophobic self, so that was fun. Yeah, I guess the reason I wanted to ask was that I... I think me and Sister PD were in the same place before all of this happened. And we'd got to a place where we were like, right, it's general conference weekend. Let's go away. Let's just ignore the world for the weekend, ignore Facebook for the weekend. And then priests of dispatches arrived and ruined all of that. <laughs> I think I'm kind of in the same place as you, if it wasn't for all of everything else, of kind of like... Yeah, it, it doesn't, what they say doesn't matter anymore. It's kind of like the Jehovah's Witnesses have a similar conference. And I don't know when it is, and I don't know what they say, and it doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of like, I wish I was there. Yeah, I mean, I think it bothers me in the sense that there are people still in the church that we love. Uh, like my parents, my husband's mum and his full family are all in the church. So you, you you hear things and you think, well, that's what they're thinking of us this time. This is what they mm. think, you know? So that's always a bit, yeah. a bit of a stab. But other than that, I don't really care, no. No, no it's, it's, I think that's where you get to when you've gone through every stage of grief um that they they say because coming out of high demand religion and losing that whole um you know community and everything is a, a grief uh, a grievance uh, what am i trying to say a loss in our lives um so you get to that point where you kind of just like uh yeah it's it's water off a duck's back almost yeah. so no awesome well so if we rewind to Joe, age 18, just finishing Young Women's, uh, where are you? What are your, I guess, aspirations in life? Um, just just turning 18, I had we had been moved to, uh, my dad was moved, or our family was kind of, the ward boundaries were re rewritten. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, he had become the branch president of a small branch. And that was a really difficult transition from about 14 to, to 18 that that it's a difficult age to move when you've lost all your friends and your group yeah. at, at age 18 I was called as primary president um, I think I'd served like as a counselor for a few months to prime to the primary president and then she'd got called to stake and I was called as the primary president so oh my um, gosh at 18 18 yeah and at the same time I was a student nurse so I think in a way, I felt quite mature for my age because 
I was I didn't do the whole YSA thing because I couldn't. I had a I was the primary president. There was mm-hmm. I had a councillor. I had to be in my branch and and I, yeah. I was working as well because you work as a student. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was a difficult time. I didn't really start the YSA thing till much later in my life. So okay. Well, it I guess I don't know the the the. The Mormon patriarch in me says, well, primary president so young would have given you a fantastic grounding in motherhood and different things. Whereas the real me kind of says, well, that sucks because it stopped you being able to, you know, go out with your your peers and and do what I guess normal Mormon YSA in the UK would do. And that would be to travel around the country and, you know, go to different conventions and dances. And you and missed of, out on all that. Yeah, and of course my dad was the branch president, so that was a little bit of friction. There wasn't really any people to call, so um Yeah. So I was called. And well, the her previous primary president recommended me. But it was difficult because I felt like I was an adult but not quite an adult and I wasn't doing the things that other people were my age and yeah. I didn't go away to university like everyone else did, so it was yeah. a strange well, I, I kind of feel yeah i am um, i was called as bishop at 23 and the bottom of the barrel must have been scraped so thin <laughs> to have exposed me <laughs> unreal but yeah it's kind of like you 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 don't get the normal church experience from a young age yeah um and then primary is just I don't know. For me, primary is a nightmare. Like, I think of being in a room with all them children. Nursery leaders, nursery leaders are the salt of the earth. Yeah. You know, anyone who goes to church on a Sunday, like, let's just say you're up here for going to church on a Sunday as it is for three hours. To go to church on a Sunday knowing that you are just going to be babysitting other people's children for an extra two hours, you're up here. You know, like it's, it takes a special breed. Okay. Mum is like those type of people that she loved primary. She was always primary president or state primary president. And I think I was primary president three times. I think people just was like, oh, yeah, she's Anne's daughter. She'll be perfect. <laughs> yeah. You get, yeah, you get, you get typecast. But something that, so for Nemo's show, Sister PD went on Nemo's show. And Nemo asked for her kind of church CV. And basically, I could have just said, it's the church CV of every sister you will ever meet. Because it's all the same. Primary, Young Women's, Relief Society, and possibly a ward missionary. Just do one thing from all of them, and you'll you'll be fine. You know, and that's that's it. And I think something that we've, We've gone on about a lot on the podcast in the past uh, with regards to sisters and the priesthood and different things. There's a lot to be had from the other half of the church membership, i.e. the sisters that were kind of pigeonholed and not listened to, whereas I think the church would be in a very different place right now if they'd have changed that a long time ago. But that's far too sensible for us to talk about on a Friday night. (laughs) 
No, well, I think it's a really good point. I mean, my last proper calling um, when I, before I left the church, was adult Sunday school teacher. And I loved that because I think it's one of the very few callings that women can actually teach Mm. to men. Like, I can't think of any other calling where a woman would teach a man in that position. Um, And I I just, I loved that. I loved being able to research and, and teach that and have the feedback and questions. It was, it was really good, you know? And seminary, I've taught seminary as well. And again, you, I mean, you're not teaching men, you're teaching boys, but still. How many years did you teach seminary? Uh, three, I think. Um, but Kevin had taught it for how many years? I don't know, about three as well. So I kind of covered his as well. So I'd, I'd, had, I'd had more than a full year. Okay. He, he worked shift i would cover his lessons so wow and so in teaching seminary and teaching sunday school did that have any impact on i guess your journey out out of mormonism not really um seminary definitely not seminary was really reinforced my testimony if anything else um i absolutely loved it the with adult Sunday school, there were more times when I'd looked into things, um, like I'd looked at race in the priesthood, and and that was something that I didn't feel comfortable with, and I felt like, why can't they just apologise and say yes, it was racial, rather mm. than than try and you know sugarcoat everything. Yeah. Um, so I had had those sort of reservations. I wouldn't necessarily have thought of it as a shelf item back then, but I do wonder what would have happened if I continued teaching that anyway. <laughs> so I know um, Sister PD got to a point where she just had to say, I can't. She tried to carry on um, teaching and being like, well, I just need to keep doing my calling and teaching it. But then the manual kept saying things to her that I don't think she agreed with. Um, and eventually she had to say, I, I can't. I can't do that anymore. Um, but she'll be in the other room now telling me off talking about her behind her back. So sorry, <laughs> darling. <laughs> so um, you've found your eternal companion, um, the wonderful Kevin, who, hi, Kevin. And um, he is your stripling warrior. <laughs> you've, you've married in, in the temple. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, we are we are married in the temple. Awesome. I feel like <laughs> I feel like there's a story there. <laughs> it's okay. Not necessarily on the day that everyone thinks we did. <laughs> you know what? I don't think any of us should have been married in the temple on the day that people think we did. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there are. Um, yeah, many of many a couple that went through maybe a little bit early. Um, so, and you have four wonderful children. Were they all born, I guess, inside of Mormonism? Yeah, so they're all under the covenant, yeah. Okay, and and so the question would be, and the reason I ask these questions is because they're questions that me and Sister PD came across kind of moving out of Mormonism with children. Did you ever worry about how you were going to teach your children I guess, to grow up in the world that you had no experience of, kind of like alcohol, drugs, 
Not that they will, hopefully, you know what I mean? But as Mormons, we're very sheltered, very sheltered. Yeah, it was. it's definitely something we have lots of conversations about. Um, and it was really challenging when we were sort of transitioning out of, of the church, you know? So um, like that, or what we're going to do, you know? Because you feel like the church gives you your morals. You don't realise that, you know, we are generally quite moral beings. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's something we have conversations on all the time. And it's something I'm, I'm not really sure like I was saying to, to a friend today um, about um, someone had made a comment about pupils wearing having short skirts, and I was like, "Well, I feel like you shouldn't be telling people what they should wear." And they were they they were all never moments, so they, they and their opinions were, "Oh, you, well, it's just disgusting how short these skirts were. It's grotesque," and all these sort of comments. And I was like, oh, "Okay, that's not what I anticipated." Because I went from a culture that taught us what to wear and that the way we presented our bodies affected other people. And now I feel like, well, you should be able to wear what you want to wear and people need to be responsible for their own actions. And 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 I don't actually know what would be considered a normal reaction to that because yeah. clearly yeah. it's not where I thought it was. So there's lots of things that you still discover in your life. Oh, okay. I feel sometimes like I want to walk around with like a sign around my neck that says that I'm only like worldly, like four years old or something. Yeah. Like I'm still learning guys. Yeah. It's like going to Starbucks and they say, what do you want to drink? And I'm like, anything past hot chocolate. I've got no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want cream on that? Yes, please. <laughs> That's the only question I can answer. Yeah. Cream, cream and a shot, a shot of caramel syrup. I've got absolutely amazing Nevermore friends and, and they are fantastic with me and really support me, but it is hilarious. They find it hilarious that I'm like, yeah, yeah I don't like that. Nope, coffee tastes disgusting. <laughs> I love how people who are still in the church talk about ex-Mormons and they're like, oh, you drink coffee just because it's coffee. You're like, yeah. no, I've tried coffee and it is disgusting, but I think that it's a mental thing rather than a taste thing. I think I was brought up knowing it was the devil's tea <laughs> and that just the taste of it, even like beer and different things, just the taste of it kind of destroys me. So it might taste nice, but I don't know without my Mormon kind of hat on. No, I've never quite transitioned out of word of wisdom. I mean, I'll try things, but yeah. I don't. I want to, but... Some people transition hard, though, don't they? Yeah. Like, all power to them. Yeah, definitely. I, I, um, I asked my parents if they'd got any interesting stories about their time at church. And my mum was at a YSA convention. They do them at, like, universities now and things. And it was the night of the dance. And she saw a young lady out in the car park with a particularly short skirt on. So she went out and started shouting at her about the length of her skirt and telling her to pull her skirt down to her knees and, and different things, you know, to, to make it longer. And then a young man appeared next to her. And then this young lady and this young man started walking off and they left the path and went into some bushes. And she followed them and started shouting at them, where do you two think you're going? Um, and then it transpired that they weren't from the convention. 
they were they were just two random university students who happened to be walking through the wrong car park at the wrong time <laughs> that she chased down into some woods so <laughs> yeah every everyone gets a bit <laughs> so now we'll get to i guess the hardest time and that was leaving the church um what was it i guess how did it start can we say you just wanted to sin because i know a lot of people like to go with that one definitely not for me um i feel like when i talk about it i had a sort of a physical leaving of the church and then a more spiritual leaving of the church that came later um i physically left the church because we had run in run after run in with our bishop at the time um Funny enough, around it started around the calling. I think he, he was a new bishop. He wanted to be cool. He made lots of promises to lots of people. And then when I was like, hang on now, you said this to me and you're saying that to them. Um, he really didn't like that. Like he really, really overreacted by it. And then he started telling people I was a liar and I was not taking that well. Oh. <laughs> and I don't think... As a woman, you're not you're supposed to just be submissive, and he didn't anticipate me not being. And um, yeah, it, it got it got really nasty. Um, my husband was serving on the high council at the time, and he and he was a new bishop. And um, yeah, I mean, he was telling people that I was a pathological liar, and that we had marriage problems, and to leave us alone for a while. If anyone ever challenged him in ward council, he threatened them and then took them off the ward council, removed, like released them from their call-ins. Like it was like quite an obvious, huge thing that happened in the ward. You know, I had even put a memes on like the Facebook page and then sent me a message being like, I hope you've seen that meme. It was aimed at you. And, and like Oh I, my god. Yeah, it was like it was really bad. And um what is going on in South Wales? Well, and so I my hope... husband obviously was on the High Council, so he spoke to the state president, and it took a while for him to actually come and speak to us at all. But then when he did, he constantly said the same thing. He said, I love that man, and I know he's called of God. And that was like his line to describe it. And then he would say stuff like... Um, to assume, like, to assume makes an ass out of me and you and those sort of thing. And rationalize is telling yourself rational lies. And I'm like, what are you trying to get to it with these little, he's like, oh, I'm not saying anything. You're not saying you're lying. I'm just, this is just something I picked up. Like, why would you say that to someone then? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, and I guess the longer it went on, the more I recognized he was gaslighting me. And, and I, it was really quite obvious and and that became really difficult. And I I actually did have like he, the bishop was telling people I had severe mental health um, issues. And by the end of it, I really did. And there was more than one time when I just didn't want to go on anymore. I wanted to meet meet God and tell him, ask him why he was allowing this to happen. I spent hours on my knees praying and fasting and reading my scriptures and feeling like, why is no one helping me? Why is this happening? Because it feels like your entire world just collapsing. Um, and I, I didn't know what to do. And Kevin, we, we still believed in the church, and that was the hardest thing. Um, Kevin was like, I think we need some distance. And we had asked to like move our records. We weren't allowed and um, to a different ward. And um, 
we just we just took a step back kevin asked to get released and we took a step back from church and it didn't really stop anytime we went back it continued and anytime we stuck spoke to the state president we had the same sort of responses of well i love that man and i know he's called of god and and he failed to see when i was like that's really it's almost abusive what you're saying because i'm telling you what's happening and you're telling mm-hmm. me you love him and he's called of god i don't know how you think that helps the situation but he was like oh i'm just telling you what i feel i know he's called of god well i well i know he's not <laughs> And um, eventually I wrote a letter to the area presidency and the uh, first presidency of the church thinking, like, I just need to get this out because I need to just, I need to just put it behind me because he's obviously not going to change. It's clearly down to me. This is like a trial that I've been given. And so I wrote to them, like, I'm putting the burden on your feet. I want to go back to church, but I just want someone to hear my story. And so I'd kind of given that out there and then I found that they never speak to you. They just reroute it to the state president and the state president then comes back to deal with you. State president was not happy that I'd done this, as you can imagine, and informed me that he had had to spend several hours on the line to um, the abuse hotline or whatever it is they call it, you know, the 24-hour support thing. Okay, for the church. Yeah, which turns out to be just lawyers mm-hmm. in any risk that the church may have in this. Yeah, The state president left it with, you're welcome to take legal action because we don't feel like the church has any. And that was like, at that point, it was like, I do not believe in this church because I was not looking for a fight. I was not complaining. I was putting the burden on someone else so that I could move on. And to have that response just felt like this isn't there's no god in this church there can't be so at that point i stepped out of the church and i was like i'm not i'm not going back wow so um yeah that i was i was out out i guess then but it wasn't until the pandemic when we'd had a new state president and a new bishop happen in the state kevin was like i think i was thinking about whether or not we should go back and at that point we started looking into the stuff in the church and uh, we started with like letter to my wife and then moved on to the CS letter and um, and we were determined to actually find the truth we were like going through the references in the CS letter and everything going oh but they, they, they're exaggerating this point or whatever and and then we were going and reading like the apologetic stuff and the church website and then I was like actually they're the ones that are kind of paraphrasing things and taking things out of context rather than the anti-Mormons and the more we kind of looked in it it was like no no this isn't good and um like I was already out but even though I was out it was like a ton of bricks having like oh you know I, I didn't think there was a god in this but I didn't know all the things that I should have known about this church that I gave my entire life to and would have died for yeah, it seems yeah. like you went through such a, a traumatic kind of, you were almost pushed out. Yeah. And then yeah. I think a lot of us in, in wanting, we want the church to be true, especially when, because we've we've invested so much in the church. Yeah. Time, not just time and effort, but ourselves, you know, our whole selves, what we tell our children about 
things. So to then kind of, I know I had to say it to one of my kids once, well, we don't believe that anymore. And it just, it's it's a tough one to uh, to take. I think you, you put, as you say, you invest so much and it's not just the financial, it's not just the call-ins, but there were many a time when I had children very, very close together because I thought that's what God wanted for our family. And mm-hmm. uh, my children all have additional needs at different levels and it was really challenging and and especially when i didn't realize that they had any additional needs and i just thought i was this awful parent that wasn't managing my children at all and kevin had spent the entire time we were on swansea on the bishopric and i was like i really when they would move him around i would say can can you release him now i really need him i need him because i am struggling and they would constantly just say, but you need, you know, you need to give this. All all women struggle when their husbands are serving in leadership callings and, and you and this you'll be blessed for it. And I was like, you know, there is a point where there is a breaking point for people. But of course you were just told, but the Lord never gives you more than you can handle. And there were many times when I think I was pushed further than I could handle. And yeah. Well, I think one thing that you did miss at the general conference this time around was well, you didn't miss it. You you didn't miss it, but they they um know all about not holding God like not judging God and that blessings come in their own time and that it's not our way, it's God's way and different things. And I think it's kind of like what you just said. You know, leaders will always say, oh, well, we, we can't see the full picture or we, we, we don't know what the dinosaurs did and how they fit in, but it doesn't matter or we don't know this or that. And it seems that the further we get down the road towards the second coming, the less and less the church seems to know um, through these, these prophets and apostles. Um, so this week on social media, you posted in the ex-Mormon group, I think, I think I commented on it and a few other people, it might have been just yesterday. Oh. So what, what do you say to people when they say, I'm sorry to hear that you've left the church? Yeah, I get it from missionaries all the time. Like suddenly we have had like streams of missionaries and sometimes I, I usually just say, well, I'm not. And But sometimes I think, I wish I had something wittier to say. So that was kind of my point of it. That I think the last, usually when they say something, I'm in a good mood. But the last time they came, I just was in that sort of like everything was going wrong in the house. That we were doing jobs, and so everything was a mess. And they came to the door, and I just felt not in the rest right frame of mind. I was like, yeah, you know, when the house looks a mess and you look disorganized, and then someone comes and they're like, well, you can see you've left the church because. You're clearly not functioning. The fact that I wasn't functioning before I was in the church is never. <laughs> it's, it's our countenance, isn't it? We're darker, and we're you know we've we've lost the light, um, the light and of Christ and all that. But I think I just want to say to them, "Well, come into my lair," said the spider to the fly. You know, come on, come on in, and I'll uh, I'll have a cup of tea. <laughs> Dear me. Okay, so. Uh, something that you did for me this week, and bear with me, I'll just pull this up on the stream, that everyone can have a go at if they want to, 
if you head over to mormonpd.org that's mormonpd.org you can find here a lovely little uh i guess kind of bingo it's a family home evening game it's not really i made it the church <laughs> church doesn't do with it but this one how mormon are or were you and each of these are milestones in life um that is a, a standard mormon life such as graduating all four years of seminary or taking out your own endowments never drank caffeinated drinks each box has its own score and then there's some categories at the top so joe has kindly uh, completed this at home and given me her score so how mormon were you you scored joe a 56 on this uh, which means that you were mormon cannon fodder you were all in and would have died for the cause but you uh, and you owned the front line so in going through that were there any that stood out i guess that you thought you should have done and didn't. Did you ever dress a body? No, no. No, that's there, a big one. There Relief Society material. I was uh, youth and <laughs> primary, but I never kind of graduated into Relief Society. It was never sensible enough. <laughs> okay. So, no, but yeah, I think I got exactly the same score as you. So I think we kind of, it fits well. Uh, some people, Roy Han, if you if everyone or anyone gets a chance to take a look on the website at that, you can see the leaderboard at the bottom. Roy Han has 119 points. For anyone, oh, and his wife Emma has 109 points. For anyone who doesn't know who the Hans are, they are a Mormon family from Scotland with 13 children who are now an ex-Mormon family, lovely family, but they are like there, there are Mormons in Utah that aren't even as Mormon as they are. Yeah. Um, that's how fantastic the hands were. Okay, so also on the site, we have the Mormon Mythbusters. This one's a little more interesting um, to share on a family home evening. Family home evening. <laughs> um, so these are some of the myths um, that people believed or that social media says that mormons believe around the world um, and on this you scored a 46 uh, which meant you were a moon quaker and the peace pipe was your jam and <laughs> me too but um you were saying were there any of these that surprised you uh, there were a couple that i hadn't heard of i can't remember what they were now okay. uh, I think the, the one that took me aback and that i think takes most people aback is like you can't or you must wear garments um during sex to get pregnant yeah right here in the middle four points if you believe that yeah um, no i don't believe that yeah that's i i got that one I, I don't know someone from idaho must have written that one yeah um so planet called colob sacrament as well that was not something i'd heard it was what sorry the dead people having sacrament in the chapel at night that was yes I thought that was an awesome one when it came up though like so all of these were just ones that i put out for on social media yeah and yeah the dead people so in in the chapel at night dead people gather to have their sacrament like can they clean it as well can they take it on a rotor <laughs> you know what i mean kevin uh, believed he was bigfoot but i never believed that 
Cain was Bigfoot. Well, the the story from church history of Cain, yeah, that was miracle forgiveness as well, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, it's just how Mormonism has an explanation for everything. Yeah, it's like someone sat there and said, "What do we need to explain Bigfoot?" Okay, it's Cain. You know what? What do we need to explain? I don't know. Um, Salamander letter. (laughs) Yeah, these these three random guys that showed up one time to change a tire. Yeah. you know it's always got the answer so awesome but um for anyone watching if you want to head over to mormonpd.org or anyone listening then you can find that there download the pdf and have a good laugh um at home and submit your scores and you'll get onto the leaderboard i promise and i'll put yours yeah. on later joe i promise if kevin wants to send me his i can put his on too i think his was similar we've worked at about the same but slightly yeah. different things <laughs> awesome okay then right so you've left the church and uh how do you then go from being how do you end up on tiktok how did Um, any of us end up on tiktok covid happened um well i think i i I, even though i've been out for a good few years i never kind of defined myself as ex-mormon or anything like that at that point um and then I kind of was like, oh, actually, I am. I'm out. I'm out, out. <laughs> and so and I, I discovered, you know, social media groups and different things like that and then found Ex-Mormon TikTok and just really enjoyed it and felt like, oh, I, I could be part of this. I could share my experience. And it's, it's helpful to talk sometimes because it is quite isolating. Yeah. I'm, we're really, really lucky that Kevin and me were fully in together and fully out together. And and even when he wasn't quite as fully out, he was still by my side. So I realised how really lucky I am to be in that situation that I didn't have. I, I don't know how that would have worked because we were both so fully in that if one of us had come out and and not, and the other one still being like properly in, that would have been really challenging. Um. But yeah, even still having Kevin, it's still nice to be able to like just have you have all these experiences and and all these thoughts, but you don't have the ability to talk to anyone really about it. And yeah, so I guess that's how I found and, it, and it's great community on TikTok. And... Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think if anyone who wants to look up Joe on TikTok, the link is in the description below. It'll take you straight to uh, some of her stuff. Um, if you want to see baby rabbits, I saw them them this week, and ducklings. What was the deal yeah. with the ducklings? Well, I have another TikTok as well. That's under Animal Cutch. That's my like company name, and we have okay. a lot of animals, like a lot, a lot of animals. But you know, I'm not sure how people generally feel about snakes and things, so I keep them on there <laughs> and keep the ducklings and the bunnies on there. <laughs> I don't know. Think about it. We're, we were all Mormons at one point. Snakes are kind of like our thing, you know, like stick, <laughs> stick it in a stick it in a stone box yeah. with, a, with a Bible and, you know, we're, we're there. I had a really great experience this week, actually, because we did a, a school, um, a school request for a whole school day, but just to bring snakes, which I was like, can we not bring something soft first to like ease people into the snakes? Because People can have quite strong reactions to snakes. So, um, but we, we, they said, no, we just want snakes. So we took 
the snakes. We took seven snakes with us. And a lot of people were very nervous, even just us carrying stuff through the corridor. And um, like a lot of students came in. And it was an additional learning needs school. So it was a secondary school, but a lot of children had quite profound difficulties. And um, sorry if you can hear my children. It's fine. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, but, but, and then a lot of the staff were really nervous. But they had such a great experience and like I had to drag some of the snakes off some of the children and adults at the end. They were like, I didn't know they felt like this way. And they had such tactile experience because they're not what people think they're going to be, feel like. And it was really nice to see that change that like almost instant because there were only like 20 minute sessions per group and having people come in terrified and leave like, I want to buy a snake. <laughs> Like, don't rush into it don't rush in i'm sure all the parents were happy about that <laughs> maybe not what did you do at school today oh this python it was massive i want one <laughs> yeah. oh my god sending, like, pictures home to the kids parents as the day went out and i was having like what 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 snake was it that this child held and what snake was it that that child the parents want to know <laughs> so oh my gosh it's a good day <laughs> Here's your child holding the most venomous snake on the planet. <laughs> we did bring a venomous snake. <laughs> and we wow. did bring a child hold it. <laughs> Look at that. Brave. This is this is this is the thing I love about these interviews. This is so like just a random place that we get to, but that's what it's all about, isn't it? So snakes. Well, speaking of snakes and all things slithery, I learned something new today. And since becoming PD, I've had several approaches from another secret society um, who promised me fame, fortune, and everything that goes along with it. And that is the famous Illuminati. And to say that they're a secret society, they are very famous. But who knows which one is the right one? So I offered to pray about it, but they weren't going with that. I think it was someone trying to scam me, but you never know. But today I learned of a new Illuminati who call themselves the real Illuminati. Now, for me, anyone who starts their title with the world with the word real automatically is wrong. It's like we are the real church. We are the true church. Well, I'll be the judge of that. But the real Illuminati recently sent a letter to the first presidency in the Quorum of the Twelve claiming that they were the ones to write the Book of Mormon and they were the ones to have um, yeah, uh, made Joseph Smith who he was and what he was. And we'll just now watch a tiny clip of a video because I just find this so interesting. I want your reaction um, to, to this. So this is from therealilluminati.org. The most destructive of the secret combinations of power is that of the religious authorities that control the minds and hearts of the masses. These cause division and hate without regard or respect for any other belief other than their own. Our goals are to oppose superstition, to oppose obscurantism, to oppose the negative religious influences over public life and also the abuses of state power. It is our intent to end the machinations of the purveyors of injustice, to influence and control them without taking away anyone's free will. 
We need to earn the trust of the people of the world. To do so, we have written a book, a new American scripture, how and why we, the real Illuminati, created the Book of Mormon. This book is our case against one of the wealthiest religions on earth, a religion that has used the above-mentioned secret combinations of power to become what it is today. In this free-to-download book, we provide indisputable evidence that our group was solely responsible for what is known throughout the world as the Book of Mormon, a new American scripture first published in 1830 while the United States was establishing itself as one of the greatest nations on earth. It is our desire to come out of obscurity and from behind closed doors and share what we know and what we are doing with the people of earth in an effort to save humanity from what appears to be imminent destruction. Okay, we'll leave that there. It goes on for a little while. I'm sure that um, I'm going to be... Find where we're going. Apologies, guys. My buttons are all over the place. Oh, my gosh. I'm sure that I'm going to be uh, tracked down by the Illuminati and, yeah, be in trouble now. For anyone who wants to watch the full video, I'll um, post it on the PD Facebook page. But it's therealilluminati.org. And I thought they were doing really well with We Oppose going through all of the things we oppose you know controlling the masses and not having freedom of uh, they were talking about other other religions and anyway i thought they were doing well until <laughs> they claimed the book of mormon <laughs> like i really liked his voice <laughs> he'd got a bit of the morgan freemans about him and then they claimed the book of mormon and i'm like oh my gosh why would any i don't know if someone just looked and thought that business has that product and is one of the richest businesses on the planet how can i be rich i know i'm gonna have the same product and i will be as rich as them i don't know if that's what someone's thought at this point or if it's just someone in utah who has gone really hard on the ex-mormon thing <laughs> And if anyone is involved in the real Illuminati, not the ones that come to me every day on Facebook, but bring me the sign and the password. Okay. Um, Xmojo X is the password. If you're watching and you're out there, if you're the real ones, Xmojo, get me on Facebook and, uh, and we can talk about it. But I've downloaded the book and I will return and report. Um, but I, I can't honestly can't see the benefit in claiming the book of mormon no <laughs> right. their books to claim <laughs> i'm like if they'd come and said harry potter i don't, I don't like that but <laughs> you that know what i mean to have gone <laughs> there were a lot of books i'd have gone to before i got to the book of mormon um <laughs> highest degree do they claim the book of abraham i'm not too sure um, the book, the free PDF, is a thousand pages long by the looks of it. So I think it'll be a while before I'm even close to being sure what they actually um, claim. But even for the, everyone out there, claiming the Book of Abraham was written by Kyrie anymore? Are they? So. Well, yeah, I, I think a lot of a lot of um, 
I interviewed Matthew from the Restored Branch of Christ, their prophet, and he said that the Book of Abraham wasn't even written by the Mormons. It was uh, someone else. So it's random. But hey, the Book of Abraham, it's almost a silver bullet. But I think one thing that I've heard tonight that you said was from your state president, and he said about um, making assumptions and rational rationalizing things rational lies yeah. and you're like you're i don't know not preaching to the choir but it's 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 almost ironic yeah because that's what the gospel is and once you actually stop lying to your rational self it kind of all falls away yeah. so well thank you um, I'm just double-checking that I've covered everything that I wanted to. Um, but, Joe, this is your stage. Is there anything that you want to say to the world, I guess, about Mormonism? Well, you already are through your TikTok, but again, everyone can go and watch in, using the link in the description below. But is there anything this evening um, that you want to say to, I guess, the people who've been watching who were touched by your story, um, a few people in the chat, uh, Tom, Danelle, Harriet, who have been touched by, I guess, the trauma that you went through. Is there anything you want to say to them or to other members who might be going through that trauma right now? Yeah, um, thank you for the comments in the chat. That's it's really nice to have other people feel and, you know, um, and I think when I was when I was, like talking about it, one thing that struck me was the fact that you you can't get away from it either like in, in in almost every other instant when something happens like that and there's an abuse of authority you can you can potentially move away from it but you have so many interconnecting links with everyone so like my children went to the same school as this bishop's children mm -hmm. and which is highly unusual in this area anyway to to be in church with you know and and that was really difficult. Like my my mum was friendly with his wife and and his and his parent mother in law and, and and that sort of thing. Everyone's kind of connected to everyone, and and that's it's really difficult to escape. And like other members, they, you know, nobody wanted to take a side either. And and that was it's challenging, you know, when everyone's yeah the but way they are linked and. Like I still see, like his wife's still on my Facebook, and I still so I still see posts from from him. And I grew up with the state president's daughter. Like we were really really good friends growing up, and then I was really good friends with another of his sons when we were in YSA. And you know, I felt, and I was really we were really close to the family, really close to the state president. My dad served on the bishopric with him for years. We were one of the. He had a horrendous car accident, the state president, at one point, and we were one of the few people that went to see him in ICU and, and things like that. Like you feel like you have connections to all these people because with, you know, you have, everyone's connected and, and, and that's really difficult when things go wrong. It makes it so much harder to overcome because you're like, well, and to walk away from, you know, those connections you make with people. Yeah. Almost all of us are connected. You could probably, every single one of us will find mutual friends if we've kept our Mormon friends on our Facebook 
you would find mutual friends between all of us because it's a small world in Mormonism, isn't it? So, yeah, especially in the UK, I think it's like people play the seven steps of Kevin Bacon game in the Hollywood, I guess, between movies that they've all been on. But in the UK with Mormonism, it's, it's like three steps of Mormonism, not even seven, you yeah. know, to get from one person to another. And usually it's by marriage because yeah. we're all interbred. Um, I'm sure if we sat down and actually thought about it, it wouldn't be that far away. Did you use LDS Linker back in the day? Oh, no. Oh, maybe I did. I did use a chat where you kind of put your age, your sex and your location or whatever. Okay. Just LDS chat or? Okay. We had LDS link up as well. So maybe okay. it was like, it was crazy because like all of us, like whoever it was that you thought, oh, that person looks nice. Like you could find connections to them. You could, like, oh my gosh. <laughs> on this person, is this person like saying, turns out I wasn't and he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like they just raised a, uh, they go on about Mormons joining the CIA, and this is why we're good at it, because we've been raised to be nosy parkers, <laughs> yeah. to, to track down all those pesky less actives. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, and awesome. you, know, you think about those sort of experiences where you looked pitifully on people that had left the church and sort of ways of reactivating them, and, and now you're like, we need to leave these people alone. <laughs> well, I've 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 moved across the country and not given them my new address. Um, <laughs> we're back in a ward that we were in before, and my brother-in-law was called as the bishop, and I just said to him, you know my address, but the church doesn't, so let's keep it that way. Yeah. Um, and he's been all right about it, but I'm like, if I want the church to know where I am, I'll tell them. Yeah. So I would means- say you've got a lovely state president and a lovely bishop in this ward and things now and the bishop knows where i stand we've spoken and the bishop spends well he doesn't so much since he's been called as bishop but they used to spend kevin and him would spend like thursday night shooting zombies on call of duty for years so (laughs) there you go so yeah we're still friendly so yeah i mean that's nice that not everyone cuts off complete contact yeah you know not everyone's the same. We had a terrible bishop and a terrible state president, but now we have, you know, much nicer state president bishop. Yeah. So it's not branding everyone with the same brush at all. But oh, you're so nice. <laughs> like I, I'm just literally like, no, get off my doorstep. You're, you're no, no, go away. <laughs> I'd be so rude to them just seeing them coming down the street. Be like, Sister PD, lock the doors. <laughs> the Mormons are coming. Oh my god! I don't like the word triggering, but it, you do see missionaries, and it is triggering, isn't it? You yeah. just oh, and yeah. you don't. I don't want to be mean, but I equally don't want that. Always feel sorry for you attitude either. So <laughs> yeah, and I think it can be tough with like extended family that way, because all of my family and all of Sister PD's family are all still very TBM. So whenever it's family events and different things, you know that you're the dirty one in the corner. You know, uh, everyone's think everyone's looking at a watch, thinking how long until he needs to go out for a cigarette. I don't, <laughs> I don't smoke, but I know that's what they think. They probably think like he's got a packet of fags in his back pocket. 
and he's just had like some heroin or something <laughs> and he's got a tattoo machine in his other pocket and if our children <laughs> if our children get too close he will mark them <laughs> It was six 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 or something. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we we uh, but we've all been there. We've all been kind of that judgmental, and I think it's just the way the world is, isn't it? Yeah, but, I'm quite lucky. My parents live like a few doors away from us. We moved like to live quite near them, and although they are TBM, they my mum particularly is a lot more nuanced than, uh, and I, I never thought I'd see that side of my mum, but she she recognizes there is big problems so that's nice and i think my dad does he he likes to argue he likes to argue anyway he's just that type of person he's like competitive with everything <laughs> and um but he he definitely is like no no i you know he he can see problems he has issues he used to be an atheist and how he got into the church in the first place i just can't figure out but Wow. We have that more with my husband's family that they're they're in, but it's the elephant in the room that nobody will speak about, and it's yeah. a, like the house is covered in church paraphernalia. <laughs> when you go visit and you're like, "There's a pamphlet of Joseph Smith looking at me. Turn it over." <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we, um, for the last few years, my parents lived at the temple and we used to have to go spend Christmas, like, because they, they couldn't leave the temple. They were there on a mission as the temple president. So they lived in the house behind the temple, with, which had like a, a massive like hall and different things. So all Christmas dinner and everything was there. So you'd be staying for the weekend, like looking up at Moroni, thinking, oh my gosh, wow. I got away from this, I'm sure. Now I'm back. So that would be challenging. So, yeah. Well, I was there with a the hip flask as well, just kind of <laughs> top, top, topping up. I thought to myself, has anyone ever got drunk in the Temple President's house at Preston? Well, <laughs> everyone, let me tell you, they have now. <laughs> So what's your tipple of choice then? Uh, me, I'm either a rum and coke kind of guy, spiced rum. I'm not hard, like I'm not ex Mormon enough yet to go for like the hard, hard rum, but spiced rum and coke, lots of coke or like a fruit cider. Hmm. No product placement on the show. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I wish they'd pay me, but they don't. So. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so um, so that's that's something uh, to never tell my parents. <laughs> but and if you think of it, the interior, if anyone's been to a temple and to the celestial room, all of the furniture in the celestial room, once it's done within the celestial room, goes to the temple president's house. So imagine all the golden sofas, the thick thick carpets. Um, which are all like carved. It is like living in the celestial room. Uh -huh. I just sat there with a rum and coke and getting <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> okay, I'm going to shut up now before I get myself in more trouble. <laughs> well, and Joe. Yeah, for the location of the Birmingham Temple, then. The Birmingham Temple, what a joke that is, eh? Uh, there was a thought that it could go to Solihull because the, 
church still owns um, the church office building there. But with all the changes that they made this week as well. So for anyone that's not aware, in General Conference, President Nelson announced uh, a Birmingham, UK temple. And in the UK, the big thing is, when will Scotland and Ireland get a temple? But they didn't. Birmingham got one. Birmingham is right in the middle of the two temples that we already have, which for Utah isn't very far because Utah, you get a temple every block. Um, but here in the UK, the two temples we already have aren't full. So adding a third one seemed craziness. But when you look at the numbers involved, it will, there is some method to the madness because the Birmingham stake over the last 10 years, Chris Mace put together all the numbers. Thank you, Chris. And it showed a 40% drop in membership in Birmingham. But what happened in those 10 years is the church offices, they'd rejigged the European areas and taken it from three areas to two and taken the church office building away. Now, what the church has done this week is they've announced the temple in Birmingham and they've rejigged the areas in Europe again and gone from the two back to three. And there will be church offices yet again in England. And I'm assuming they'll go back to Birmingham. So I think they've seen that 40% drop and been like, oh, what can we do to fix that? I know. Let's give them a temple and let's put the church office building back there. Yes. Because what comes with the church office building? A bunch of Mormons. Yeah. But so, then how are they going to man it? Because, you know, I was going to the Preston Temple every month back i don't know 12 years ago and you know we'd arrive and they'd be like oh we've got people so i don't know how that's going to work yeah well let's see this yeah. i used to agree yeah <laughs> yeah well what i've heard is that in these small temples so it's it's not going to be anything like preston these temples that they're building these days especially where there's already other temples in the vicinity are very small kind of when i say small think a small chapel like that size um and they've got just one of everything so there's no cafeteria there's no you know uh books what well, there might be a bookstore but there's no distribution centers mtcs anything like that they've pulled all the cafeterias out of all temples anyway now haven't they yeah they're closing them all um because of money they can't afford to run the cafeterias. Can't afford to subsidise cafeterias. A drive-through temple. Yeah, highest degree, like a drive-through temple. That's where you take out your endowments, highest degree. <laughs> oh dear. Yes, like a drive-through temple. They go up like like a McDonald's. Um, they're prefab. You know, hand they're, out the window. They're prefabbed, and <laughs> yeah, this. Is pure craziness. Don't give them ideas now. That's what the next thing will be. You all sit in the, like a... I hand out the window. <laughs> hand out the window. <laughs> That's too good, that is. Just, just yeah, just everyone in the car. Have a wave. Add the robes on while sat in your car might be more challenging for some of the elderly population. 
I thought what they need to do. Have you been to the movies yeah. recently since COVID? I haven't yet. Okay. So a lot of like uh, showcase have gone premium where they've taken out all the normal seating and they've put in all lazy boy recliners. Mm. I think as the church, as temple attendance gets less and less and less, they'll take out all the seating. And rather than having room for like a hundred people in one room, it'll go down to like room for 20 people in a room uh, <laughs> because they'll replace it with lazy boy recliners. <laughs> and then how, how many people manage to stay awake normally though? Lazy boy. <laughs> I think that'd be amazing though. The lazy boy recliner. I thinking about other things like, no, you have to be doing this for the person. You can't think about shopping or what you're going to eat, which is usually what I'm thinking about. I think they should serve food and drink. Yeah. Could you imagine the sister coming down the row and being like, peanuts, peanuts, anyone? <laughs> you can pay for them as well, you know? Breaking uh, some money. <laughs> <laughs> we know they're struggling. With it. We've, we've, we've got to pay for this temple. <laughs> okay. But here's the, the interesting thing that I never knew. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Who's this? Donal, yes. If if the church puts lazy boy recliners in the temple, I may have to re-up. Well done, Donal. Um ten percent though of everything. You don't want to re-up. <laughs> yeah, you're 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 paying for that that recliner. Um you just buy one yourself. You get ten percent increase. <laughs> it'd be cheaper, wouldn't it, in the long run? It would. <laughs> Got to have somewhere to put it though. But members will have to clean the temple. Think about how that will be a shock to those in the Birmingham Temple District. And that's what they do. Like, apparently it's not even a surprise in the rest of the world because where they have the smaller temples, that's what they do. It goes on a stake-by-stake -stake rotor and stakes come in at night and clean the temple. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, imagine. It's hard enough when people say you need to go and clean the chapel. You're like, why did they sack the cleaners? which is a whole other argument. Oh, yeah. But they'll probably have you cleaning the council the office buildings as well. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just get everyone. Yeah. Could you imagine, though, like, oh, tonight you uh, you need to go and clean the temple. Okay. I feel particularly sinful tonight. I can't, you know. Are, are, you, are you worthy to enter to do the cleaning? <laughs> No, no, I've had a coke. Oh, yeah, I had I had an experience actually with when we were because we were in Scotland. I moved to Scotland. Uh, my husband's Scottish, um, and when we were going through the temple for the first time, we'd had we bought a cat just before we got married, and um, it was like a, a rescue cat. And it's it, I don't know if you saw the cat climbing around. That was behind me at one point but it's it's a cream cat okay it's a cream cat with like really espresso dark chocolate ears and tail and he called up the vet my husband who sat here and told that when they asked the color of the cat he said it was black and white the cat is black and white the cat is a seal point vermin that's what the cat is <laughs> so on and then we had to go for an interview with the state president for our to go through for our endowments or for our ceiling, I can't remember. But we'd 
we'd had this huge argument because I'd moved up before we got married to move into the house that he bought to kind of get a job in the area. But we'd had this huge argument about cat for some reason. And the state president was furious with us, like absolutely furious. Like, and he was like, if you ever have an argument like that before on the way to the temple, don't you ever go, you turn around and you go home. You do not enter the temple. Having had that argument, so maybe funny, like, oh, we've got to clean the chapel tonight. Well, we had an argument and the state president said, can't go to the temple. You had an argument about cats, so. Can't come in. <laughs> I had someone come to me as bishop. He was engaged to be married and him and his, his uh, bride-to-be had had an argument on a Sunday over, can you buy, uh, can you use a vending machine? on a sunday and i'm like if that's what you're arguing over now it's not gonna happen and they didn't get married in the end but i, I was just like it's not once you're married if that's what the arguments are about it's not gonna last like oh, we had lots of arguments when we first got together because i think it's such an extreme thing we had such a short relationship and then and then moved i moved there and then I, I think it's just very intense. You get married and you're suddenly living with a stranger and I I, I don't know. I found it really difficult anyway. We yeah. definitely argued a lot when we were first married and then mellowed out as we grew older. Well, <laughs> we're on the same page. One of us is obviously just a woman. <laughs> but it's kind of like uh, you go from zero to 100 overnight in the church when you do get married because you've been told for so long about avoiding 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 and then all of a sudden within like an hour it's like okay off you go yeah. and you're like oh what do we do replenish the earth off you yeah go. yeah off, off you guys go you know what to do and you're like no we don't <laughs> or, or, or no we don't you know <laughs> And uh, you, you're just so unprepared for what's to come. But I'm, I'm glad that it got better. Yeah. Kevin, well done. You're keeping up a good act. <laughs> good <man. laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, we just had a lot of children really quickly, and then we've just got other distractions. That <laughs> 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 doesn't matter. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's yeah. That's that's one way to distract yourself. I can I can think of other ways. There was but, more sensible ways. Yeah, <laughs> snakes. Well, yeah, we stopped having children. We started having animals. You see. Yeah, there you go. Right. Thank you, Joe. Thank, Thank you. you for everyone who's been with us this evening. We have covered a plethora of issues. Um, if you do uh, feel that you can support the show, uh, please use the link in the description below to send a tip. If you want to hear more from Joe, again, there's a few links in the description below where you can find Joe on TikTok. And if you want to take a look at the quizzes for the Mormon score and the Mormon Mythbusters, head over to mormonpd.org and you will find everything PD there. But for now, thank you very much and good night. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.